Hey, I'm Heather Hutchison, and this is the AT Banter Podcast. When you're done listening, head to my website, heather-hutchison.com. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. No fair, I heard him lining that one up ahead of yeah, time. Yeah, and sort of I, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you really did want to whiff on the cowbell this week. Uh, hey, right. this is the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Uh, hey, my name is Rob Minow, and joining me today, Mr. Ryan Fleury. One, two, five. One five one two three one two three one three five. Ooh, inside joke! I love it. Well, you have people will get that in a moment. Uh, hey, and also here, you can already hear people in the room giggling. <laughs> Braille nerds. Uh, hey, look who else is here? It's uh, Mr. Steve Barkley. Dot dot dot. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, well, hey, well, hey, guys, how are, the heck are you on this momentous day, which we'll get to in a minute? Fantastic. Yeah. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, I'm great. Uh, what is this? Is this going to be the, this is a, technically, this will be the second show of the new year, but uh, really, recording-wise, it's it's actually the first, so uh, happy, uh, happy new year to you guys. Happy new year. Happy new year, yeah. indeed. 2024. Hey, look it's out! A big one, yeah, yep. indeed. Yeah, ChatGPT is going to rule the world. Yeah, I've been hearing a, a lot about this about this new ChatGPT, like GPT four point five or something, supposed yeah. to be a yeah game changer. So, I uh, yeah, welcome our our new robot overlords <laughs> in in twenty twenty four. Can't do any worse. Uh, well, you know what? Enough nonsense. Let's get right to it because we have a jam packed show for people um today uh you're really getting your money's worth uh everybody downloaded (laughs) this um we well okay so first of all we are recording this i have to say on uh january 4th which is of course what ryan world braille day world braille day and in celebration and recognition of world braille day we're doing uh we're doing a braille extravaganza braille palooza (laughs) <laughs> that's right Insert music here that's yeah. right yeah maybe we should you guys should have come up with a jingle sorry i didn't next know year, we were, I, I didn't know we were world. doing a festival like this otherwise I <laughs> yeah, well, drugs. next year make him make a note next year i want we want a braille song a braille song a braille, a braille day yeah and you can just do the dot 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 thing <laughs> just sing it in braille that'd be funny uh, use, a, use a perkins for uh, percussion I like it. Yeah. Be great. Put some Swedish death metal over it and it'll be fun. All right. Well, hey, well, listen, Ryan, let's let's get right to it. Why don't you tell the fine folks at home just who we have around here? Sure. So in honor of World Braille Day, we thought it would be a great idea to get some people here who know all about Braille. So we'll start with Rianne LaPere from Nels. Welcome back to the show, Rianne. Thanks so much for having me. Happy World Braille Day. Glad you could be here again. Also joining us from the Provincial Resource Centre for the Visually Impaired, we have Jen Gesso. Welcome, Jen. Hi, thanks for having me and happy World Braille Day. 
Happy World Braille Day! Also from Provincial Resource Centre for the Visually Impaired, we have Adam Wilton back with us. Hey, thanks for having me. It is so GD and GRT to be here. <laughs> no UEB on this show. <laughs> and also joining us uh, from Sila. Sila. Everybody knows Sila. We have Charmaine Co. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh, sorry. That was everybody. Sorry, I dozed off there for a second. Uh, <laughs> it was a long intro. So, so many introductions. And GB is. There is. Uh, yeah. So welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, happy World Braille Day. Um, I, gee, where do we start? Where do we start? Where do we start? Well, who wants to take, who wants to take on uh, telling us a little bit about World Braille Day, uh, how it came about, and uh, what some of the significance about it, and just kind of what, what some of the goals are around it? That's a, that's a great question. I mean, we have to first note that World Braille Day is recognized by the United Nations. This is truly an international celebration of Braille and what Braille means to, um, to readers all over the world. And what's interesting is I was reading this morning that it was only 2019 that it was actually recognized. So this is really new. It's really new in, in the sense that there's that international recognition, but um, the uh, January 4th has been recognized for a very, very long time um, as a day of celebration um, in the community of those who read Braille and their educators and allies. And so it's great that we have that international recognition, though, um, because it it gets more it brings more attention, I think, to the day. And it also we should we should say that it, it does also sort of kick off, you know, January is uh, Braille Awareness Month as well. Right. So. Um, you know, it does kind of roll, roll into that as well. We couldn't yeah. fit it all in just one day. That's right. <laughs> it's too much, too much. And we have people from, from all kinds of different organizations. Why don't we start off by, uh, maybe just talking a little bit about, um, about what the day means to, to you guys and what kind of things, uh, your, your organizations are, are, are doing to recognize both the day and the month. Sure. Um, so Oh, this is like such a loaded question. All right. <laughs> um, I think World Braille Day for Nels means equity and an equitable reading landscape for the people that or the clients that we have at Nels. Um, that really kind of sums it up. But as far as how we celebrate, um, Nels is in its fourth year of doing a little bit of a collaborative effort around World Braille Day, which we do celebrate all month because, you know, we can't just party one day. Um, so this year we have quite a few organizations that we're collaborating with. Um, we have the team from Accessible Libraries, which is made up of um, folks from Nelson Zila. Um, the Alliance for Equi Equality of Blind Canadians, or ABC. Um, the Alternate Education Resources Ontario, or ARO, um, in, but also W. Ross McDonald School for the Blind, um, Braille Literacy Canada, uh, the Canadian Council of the Blind, and CELA, uh, or Center for Equitable Library Access. Uh, we also have this, um, folks from the CNIB Foundation, and of course the fine folks here from the, the Provincial Resource Center for the Visually Impaired, or PRCDI. Um, so we 
works together to celebrate World Braille Day the entire month of January with some online, free online events. Um, and so this year we have four events in total. One goes all month long, and then we have three individual online events. Um, the first is called Braille Boost, and um, I'll let Jen Jesso talk about that one because it's something that her and Adam came up with, and I think that it's pretty awesome, but uh, Jen really takes the lead on this one. Yeah, sure. So Braille Boost started last year, and as Rand mentioned, it is an event that takes place um, all month long, so um, educators and their students can join at any time uh, and register at any time, and what it is is it's a package of um, resources that can be downloaded and embossed, and they're both Braille and tactile resources, and they're um, focused around games. So um, this year we have a Sudoku puzzle, um, we have a maze, and a decoding activity. And in addition to that, they are um, divided into grade levels. So there's a one for primary grades, one for intermediate grades, and one for secondary. And this year, we will be able to offer it in both English and French. So that is really exciting. And for the English materials, they are also offered in addition to being different grade levels. Each grade level is available in both contracted and uncontracted UEB. Amazing. And the first online session that we'll be offering is called uh, building Community Through Accessible Programming, and this is taking place Thursday, January 11th at 10 a.m. Pacific, or that's uh, 1 p.m. Eastern for the people out east. And um, we have Chansey Fleet, who's the Assistive Technology Coordinator from the New York Public Library. Um, not that she needs an in introduction because she's uh, basically a, a, a superstar. Um, <laughs> and she's going to talk about her approach to providing uh, library service and uh, library programming and how she's made like huge advances in making programming more accessible in her library and um, really talking about how she got to that, to where she is now. So all those beginning steps and how she got started and, you know, the, the journey from when she got started to where she is now and what she's hoping to do. Um, the session is to really hope that um, libraries can make that step into becoming more inclusive spaces and, and really getting more comfortable in the braille and tactile space. And um, the session is going to be great for anybody, truly. Um, and I'd also like to note that the session will be simultaneously translated into French. Um, so while the session is in English, we'll have a, a interpreter on, on, is it on site if it's online? Yeah, I'm going to go with on site. Um, so that will be really exciting. Um, the next event is a Writers Festival. Um, and I'll let Adam and Charmaine maybe take this one. I can, I can share a bit. Um, so one of the things that the group that's been working on world these World Braille Month events really wanted to make sure that we captured and, and shared was the, the lived experience of Braille users. And the last several years have seen a, a number of really exciting, really interesting, really engaging titles published from, um, from blind authors that 
in some way um, provide insight, commentary, information around their experiences related to to uh, Braille and to blindness. And so we wanted to to talk to some of these authors. And so we organized a, a mini writers festival. Um, and so we're we've got some 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 great um, uh, blind and partially sighted authors joining us. Um, the lineup is still a little bit in flux, and so we're um, we're we're excited for for who who's coming. And um, yeah, we're we're going to be talking about not only what Braille means to these authors, but how it informs. Sorry, uh, what it means in their to them personally in terms of their 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 daily their daily lives and their how they read and and consume materials but also in terms of how Braille factors into their writing um, and how it informs characters and themes and, and, and other elements um, in the, in the, in, in what they've published. And so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, I'm really excited for it. Um, I'm also very excited that Charmaine is going to be, um, is going to be moderating this panel. Um, Charmaine, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it um, quite a bit, actually, because I've never moderated any. Um, uh, it'll be my first time moderating um, any of the World Braille Day events, although I have attended some in the past and I've heard a lot about Braille. And of course, Braille is something that is really precious to me. I'm a Braille user and a Braille reader and I'm a Braille transcriber and I really love Braille. And so just hearing about like how Braille as it relates to the authors that we're going to be featuring in the writers festival is really going to be great yeah back to you Rianne. thanks and that session is scheduled for thursday january 18th oh yes that'd be important information <laughs> 10 a.m pacific or 1 p.m eastern and then the final session is the content creators panel um, so on saturday january 20th at 10 a.m pacific and 1 p.m eastern we're really good at keeping consistent times here. Um, we are doing a panel discussion uh, discussing how Braille is an integral part of their art making process. So these will be, um, you know, podcasters, storytellers, reporting, that kind of thing. Um, and we have the wonderful Jen Jesso joining us on that panel, um, Wendy Edie, and Kim Kilpatrick and Grant Hardy joining us. Um, so we think that will be a, a great opportunity to find out how they use Braille in in the processes in which they create their art. And I think it'll be really interesting. Um, the target audience for for that sp for that session will be um, pretty much anyone. Um, I think it'll appeal most likely to people who are Braille users already. But I think that um, pretty much anyone will will gain benefit from that session. Um, I really encourage like libraries, for instance, who have maker spacers, maker spaces to attend this, or anyone in broadcasting or or um, interested in getting into the space of even social media or any kind of media creation. I think would be uh, a really great benefit and insight into how different people create their works of art. Jen, do you have anything to add to that? You're a little bit closer to it than I am. Yeah, I, I'm looking really forward to being on that panel. And 
um, not only sharing about how I use Braille in sort of my process of um, creating scripts and uh, filming for social media content for PRCVI, but also hearing what the other panelists have to say. And I totally agree with you that I think uh, a wide audience could find this really interesting. And I just want to also add that we, um, in addition to all of those organizations that I mentioned who are on the uh, planning committee for our World Braille Days events, uh, we also really value um, our partnership and, su and financial support from Canadian Assistive Technology, who provides not only the like airspace um, for this, but an AT banter for providing that airspace. But um, Steve has generously donated door prizes for the events again this year. And we're, we're so thankful for, for all of that support. And you're most welcome. The, uh, we, we love, we love the work you're doing. Wow. Okay. So that sounds like uh, quite the lineup. Um, I, I find it really, really cool that, you know, uh, how much you, that you guys are, are really leaning into the idea, you know, of art and content creation is the strategy behind a lot of these sessions, because I don't know, I feel like a lot of people, you know, might think Braille is kind of like, I don't know, just Braille, right? But it seems like there, there is a real attempt to make it really sort of more engaging and more fun. Absolutely. Um, I think, I mean, I'm going to let Adam jump in here too and Jen, but um, I want to say that I was even just writing this in the car today that, you know, our World Braille Day events are intended to be fun and positive and braille centric uh we want our presenters and our attendees to just relax and have fun um our presenters are selected because they're experts in what they do and it's an opportunity to let their passions and craft shine and hopefully ignite some fire in, in others as well right like um you know sometimes the mundane is what it is right and but it doesn't have to be and sometimes you just need that little like inspirational spark to be like no let's do this and braille is cool or if you're hesitant about learning it uh you know maybe taking it or if you're even just not understanding like how useful it is to kind of realize that it is useful whether you're a braille reader or not currently adam Brianne, something I would add is just, you know, we're, we're kind of done with the muffin tin and tennis ball approach to raising Braille awareness. Um, you know, I think as a group, uh, all of our organizations felt like we really wanted to center the lived experiences of Braille users and show how Braille lives and thrives in the lives of of, of blind and partially sighted um friends, colleagues, and members of our community. And so we really wanted to to move beyond the narrative of just awareness of Braille and 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 really, really, really connect it to how it lives and thrives in our communities. Um, because there's there's lots of really excellent resources and 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 opportunities for learning about Braille as, a writing system, but there aren't as many good opportunities, uh, and there needs to be more, in my opinion, to to really understand what Braille means to those who use it. Uh, and so that's, I think, what we really wanted to center here. Um, you know, recognizing that that someone could learn that Braille has six dots, or Braille is composed of a, 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 a permutations within a six dot cell. Um, you, know, you can get that anywhere. Could just said it better. 
That was awesome. So I was just, I wanted to touch on that a little bit more. Jen, you know, can you, and Charmaine, because you're both the Braille readers of the group, can you expand a little bit more on how you use Braille in your daily lives? Um, I can start. Um, I actually use Braille um, a lot in my work and a lot um, just in my, I obviously use it for my day-to-day life. I, um, I read all my leisure materials with it. I make notes with it, any notes that I need to make. Um, I'll note them down on a Braille slate and stylus. So that's how I use Braille personally. But I use a lot of Braille, involved with a lot of the Braille work that's going on at CELA. Um, where I'm a, I'm a peer trainer at CELA, and part of the work that we're doing is um, we just actually launched a, a Braille survey. We launched it and closed it. Now we're analyzing the results of it now. The Braille survey was sent out um, early, uh, late 2023, around November of 2023, and uh, what was happening was we were trying to um, get an idea of in the survey, we asked questions to both Braille users and non-Braille users, and we were asking them to give us um, feedback on their perspective of Braille and the Braille services that we provide and how we can improve the quality of the Braille services that we provide to them. And right now we're analyzing, we got lots of feedback um, from the results of our survey, and we're analyzing what participants have said about um, their use of Braille, what they like, what they don't like, and then um, their preferences, and then using that information to um, think about how we can um, make changes to the quality of our um, Braille services that we provide so that we can continue to provide the best service that we can. Right. And Jen, you talked a little bit about writing your scripts and, and doing the social media stuff. What other types of activities do you find or do you think people can use Braille for that they may not be thinking about? You know, most of us in the blindness community know that there are, you know, Braille playing cards and, you know, board games. But, you know, what other, what other types of activities can we use Braille in? Yeah, so I um, I I use both large print and magnification and Braille. I learned both uh, when I was young, and I've continued to use them uh, now, you know, throughout my life. And I probably have about a 50-50 split, I'd say, between like using magnification and Braille. And I use Braille, um, like Charmaine said, I use it uh, for everything. It's sometimes hard when people ask <laughs> what I use it for, because I just use it like I'm not necessarily thinking in my life, everyday life, oh, here I'm going to use Braille, here I'm going to use print. But um, some examples of where I use it are, um, I have a Braille display connected to my computer. And so I run Fusion as the software that I um, prefer that's JAWS and ZoomText. And that allows me to access any uh, uh, computer content in Braille, as long as it's accessible, of course, which isn't always the case, unfortunately. and I have a Braille display as well that I use on uh, with my iPhone. So um, a lot of uh, emails and texts and um, content on my iPhone, I actually access with Braille. I personally um, could never get the hang of the Braille screen input, which people absolutely love, <laughs> and it has never worked for me. So, But I do love writing, uh, typing on the Braille display as opposed to the on-screen keyboard. Um, 
And I use it uh, every day at work, at home, uh, for leisure activities, for um, like 90% of my leisure reading is in Braille. Um, I use it for proofreading, for writing, for, um, yeah, pretty, pretty much any situation where print is sort of not working for me or where I'm getting tired or eye strain or, you know, uh, that sort of thing, I will just switch to Braille. Also, any... Um, sort of public speaking or taking notes in uh, meetings or anything like that, where I'm sort of uh, having to speak to people. Um, Braille is really, really useful because I can turn off the speech on my computer and just uh, just use Braille. Because, because Braille is so important, especially to get in front of uh, kids and get them, get them familiar with Braille super early. And we, we know in the past that you know, there's been a little bit of, of you know, mis a lot of misconceptions about Braille and, and how things like screen readers and, and, and audiobooks and stuff can can actually rep replace Braille. I'm just curious, do you guys find that that attitude has now started to shift? I would say there's actually great reason for optimism because un unlike in the past where you may have had students who were learning Braille because they were um, you know, they were they were learning at grade level. They were using the same materials as their peers. They were, you know, advancing with the the, the curriculum. Um, but then you had a, a, a large group of students with more complex profiles who might have had additional disabilities who could have used Braille, but perhaps we as a field or as a professional community weren't thinking of them for Braille. And I, I actually think there's been a really significant democratization of Braille over the last 10 to 15 years where you know now we have students with a much wider range of profiles who are learning to to read and to use braille in ways that work for them whether that be creating and writing small stories or shopping lists or labeling things around their home and school um uh yeah i i i, I see it both in in the the students in the schools but i also working at, for a, uh, an instructional material resource center, I, I see it in the titles that go out the back door. Um, you know, at PRCVI, we're, we're shipping out more print Braille storybooks now than we ever have. Uh, and I think that is in large part because um, of that democratization of, uh, of, of Braille reading and writing that we've seen in K-12 education. Right. Well, I, I want well, I know that you guys, you know, you do some really great work. Um, you know, you have the, the YouTube series, the, the Braille Bites. And I'm curious to, to, is that, again, is that an intentional strategy to try to sort of get it really engage uh, kids early and really get them excited about Braille? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Braille Bites is a good is a good example of how how we can how we can think and talk about Braille in its broader context rather than just looking at it as a tactile writing system we look at it functionally we look at what it what it means to uh, put up braille labels in a preschool classroom so that not only does the child who will eventually be a, a, a braille user um, be able to find and locate things but we also can demonstrate to other students that there's more than there's more than one way to read um, and an, another big motivator behind Braille Bites was actually to uh, emphasize 
to parents and caregivers and, and other professionals that um, all children who are blind or partially sighted can benefit from learning uh, tactile strategies. Um, so while a student with low vision, for example, may not be a Braille user in their lifetime, um, they can also work to um, be more effective at searching for things with their hands or exploring. Um, and yeah, so so Braille Bites was, it, it, I should say Braille Bites is, second season will be releasing in a matter of weeks. Um, Braille Bites is a very intentional effort to to, to draw attention to the sense of touch as a uh, a viable and trustworthy means of of gathering information and and uh, and learning. My my co-star, yes, Jen, we're stars. <laughs> my co-star in this is uh, is Jen. Uh, anything you would add? No, I think you said it perfectly. And um, yeah, I think uh, as you said, a big motivator was. Um, that anyone who's blind or partially sighted can benefit from uh, tactile strategies in their daily life. Well, well, you know, and listening to the to some of the lineup uh, that that we were talking about earlier, what what kind of strikes me, and I, I think this is brilliant. I think this is maybe a, a piece that was missing for for years. Um, but I, I really love this idea of highlighting sort of the lived experience of people and how different people use Braille and and in their daily lives. Because, you know, I, I think that that, that is an, an important thing to highlight. You know, we're not just talking about a reading system. We're not just talking about, um, you know, the, the technical aspects of Braille or even just telling people um, that it's important. This way you're, you're showing people. And that's, and I could see, you know, both, both uh, you know, kids and parents um, really having that having a really big impact because they can be like they can sort of understand downstream what the implications of of actually being braille literate uh, is for for their kids. Can you not hear like the rocks rattling around in my brain as I nod <laughs> in agreement? <laughs> I thought that was obvious. <laughs> is, again, was that a sort of a a strategy going forward for you guys or or has that changed have have you guys covered this before in in years previous i'd say we've touched on it in years previous but this year it was definitely more of a focus like adam said like we're done with the this is what braille is and we're like no like like the this is what braille is uh like with the as as a printing and writing system not necessarily as and more about what braille is as what it means for right. people's day-to-day -day life you know and i think back to like it, like reading campaigns right like we we see that in the education system all the time you know reading is fun and there's there, there's all of these um ways that that they try to get students um you know excited about reading and and i really see some parallels here in what you guys are doing well you know rob that's just it it's yeah. it's it's looking beyond braille as an elegant writing system, an elegant tactile writing system to what it means yeah. for real people and and what it what it means for um for literacy not only in terms of enjoyment but also just in terms of being better. Like Jen, you mentioned that there may actually be some instances in your day-to-day -day that Braille is superior to print. Uh, or is or or maybe more optimal, like for example, with um, public speaking or anything like that. 
Absolutely. There's so many situations for me where Braille is more efficient and uh, less um, stressful and less fatiguing than print. Yeah. But with I mean, all of that said, I think their important point needs to be made that we, and that's kind of a, I, I use that as an inclusive term, but like, we don't need to justify why Braille is important in the in, in the context of print. You know, Braille needs to be understood and appreciated in and of itself. Um, and I, I've been really, um, I've been really heartened, if that's a word, um, seeing some writing and scholarship coming out, talking about and research, looking at Braille um, not as a tactile representation of print, but as a writing system unto itself. And, you know, I, um, my, my uh, great mentor, Dr. Kay Holbrook, talks a lot about how, how we think about Braille as professionals will, whether we're aware of it or not, translate to how we teach kids. Um, and so I think that as professionals, um, we need to problematize and look at how we think about Braille um, and, and really kind of question our own beliefs because whether we're aware of it or not, they'll translate to our, uh, to our students. I was actually just going to comment on what Adam just said there, which is that our belief, I think you said something like our beliefs about Braille and how we think about Braille is going to affect how it's taught to um, the generations and generations of kids to come. Um, I think that's a very good point because um, it's like that with everything, right? Like if you, you have to believe in something in order to teach it well to anybody and if people don't think that Braille is important and it's kind of hard to instill that thought into um, into somebody else like a child if you don't practice what you actually are trying to teach and you're just trying to teach some, something but you don't actually feel um, you don't actually feel the same about it. Um, so really I think that whoever's going to be teaching Braille to children should be um, teaching it um, out of the mindset that Braille is something that is going to serve them in so many different ways of life. It really cannot replace uh, screen readers and audio um, narration cannot replace um, the ability to use Braille. I used to really think that this was true, but now I really think I see it in practice ever since I started working um, here at SELA. Um, almost every single aspect of my work, like training people on how to use assistive technologies, all those things involve Braille. And if I didn't have it, and if I didn't know how to use it, there would be no way in the world that I could serve the patrons. I, I work in customer support um, for part of the time. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to read. You just, well, it can be done, but it would take a lot more effort and time just in my own head. I know there are a lot of people who are very good at listening to screen readers and repeating the information and reading back, you know, but if I were to do that, uh, trying to read book summaries out loud to people or, or having a PowerPoint and teaching people on the technologies that we've just launched, for example, I would really need to read it uh, with a Braille display in order to 
in order to do um, something like that. Well, to in order to do it well, I think, and to to be less stressful um, while doing it. So, yeah, it is something that is super super important to me, and I'm sure to everybody else in this room as well. I I would like to reflect a little bit on our World Braille Day meeting yesterday, where. Um, the Braille readers in, in the meeting kind of gave me a little bit of a hard time about how much more efficient I would be if I used a Braille display. And, you know, I'd get so much more, you know, work in, especially like in the car or at night or, you know, if I just read Braille with my fingers. And they're absolutely right. And I'm kind of jealous uh, a little bit about, you know, the efficiency of Braille in in that sense. Um so I guess I have a, a new ta- a challenge uh, this year is to maybe learn Braille with my fingers instead of by sight. So I can then too be efficient like they are. You need to put your fingers where the dots are. Ouch. Okay, sure, no one laughs at my Braille <laughs> joke. No one laughs at Ryan's <laughs> stupid Braille joke, but no one laughs. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, well, listen, speaking of challenge, uh, could somebody talk to us a little bit about this little thing that uh, is called the Braille Challenge? Absolutely. The, um, and I'm, I'm actually I'm delighted because this is a topic that I think I've spoken on every time I've been on the podcast. Um, and I am delighted to be typecast in this fashion. Um, So the Braille Challenge is an international Braille reading and writing competition. Students participate from Canada, the United States, and the United Kingdom. Um, And it is um, held at regional events all across across the world now. Um, And students come together and they compete with um, their peers who read and write in Braille. across uh the competing grade level groups and so you've got the grade one to grade two students together you've got the high school uh senior level high school students together um and the students compete and it's really unique because for students who read and write in braille they may be the only um, braille user in their school or even their community so it gives them the opportunity to test their skills um as i said to compete and also to connect with um, with their community of peers who read and write in the same way as they do. Um, and uh, here in British Columbia, we've had a regional event for the last 12 years. This will be the 12th uh, re- uh, reg- uh, British Columbia Braille Regional Challenge um, on uh, Friday, February 23rd uh, on the campus of the University of British Columbia, where we've, uh, we've been every year of our last 12 years. Um, and I should also give a shout out to Jen because Jen develops the materials for what we call our foundational category. And our, our foundational category are students who may not be using Braille every day, or they may not be using Braille at their grade level, but they're still Braille learners. And so our students in our foundational category can be of any age and any experience level with Braille. Um, and we make sure that they're represented uh, in the day as well, because it's great. It's great fun all around. And as I mentioned earlier, we've got 
more we've got students with with a, a greater and greater range of profiles learning braille um, in kindergarten through grade 12 these days and so in the braille challenge we really want to make we really want to create space for for those students so shout out to Jen Gesso because it's a big task yeah Woo, no, go Jen it's a highlight of of each year developing those materials and um yeah I guess I I guess how long has it been? Almost eight years now. It's been eight years since we've been doing that, and and yeah. it's it's actually been it. Not to brag, but it's actually inspired other regional challenges to do some similar things, and so uh, Braille challenge events across North America um, are more and more inclusive of Braille users at different stages of um, of their of their 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 literacy journeys in braille and adam is this happening in other provinces as well absolutely uh ontario uh alberta um saskatchewan uh has a regional event um the atlantic provinces have had events in the past as well um and i should also mention that while I tend to talk more about the regional events because I'm a regional coordinator. Students can also participate in the Braille challenge by writing one-on-one -on -one with their teacher of students with visual impairments. Um, and so there are multiple ways to participate and to compete. Um, and many students are motivated to compete, not only, not only um, at their local level, but uh, every year uh, the top 10 students top 10 scoring students in each of the age categories are invited to the International Braille Challenge finals in Los Angeles. And um, and so that's a, a, a big party uh, every June where, um, yeah, where where the, the competition ramps up even, uh, you know, to the next level. And uh, and and we uh, it, it's a it's it, it's really it's a lot of fun. Um, and even though there's lots of competition to it, it really comes down to community and uh, and and belonging. So no no Vegas odds on these things. We can't we can't bet on the outcome. <laughs> Not yet, at least. <laughs> Somebody will do a sports book on this eventually. <laughs> I think I think someone should. <laughs> wow, we've covered a lot. I just have to say to all the people in the audience. You know, Braille is not hard to learn. You just have to get a feel for it. Oh, wah, wah, wah. Come on. <laughs> have you been, like, Googling Braille jokes this entire time? Hello? Hello? <laughs> Mike got muted there for a minute. You mean this entire dot five t uh, that's uh, a whole world abbreviation joke. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, anything we missed, anything anybody else wants to talk about, about Braille before we uh, close the book on, on this year? I'm gonna say Take part, have fun. Yeah. Before I, I give everybody a chance to, to plug their, their different organizations, but uh, is there is there a place that people can go to kind of get a, a bird's eye view of all the events that are going on? The uh, Braille Institute is the 
the the host agency for the Braille Challenge. And so um, if you Google Braille Institute, you'll get information about the the, the uh, event all over the world. Um, okay. Here in British Columbia, if you uh, if you hit up our website, prcvi.org, uh, right there on the main page, there's um, uh, you're directed to more information on the British Columbia Regional Braille Challenge. All the other ones with the collaborative organizations working together it can actually be found on the NELS website. So nnels.ca slash forward slash world hyphen braille hyphen days hyphen wbd hyphen 2024. So you need a contraction for that. <laughs> oh right i know listen well, well we'll make sure we make sure we'll make sure we put it in the show notes as well so if people can't follow that just, uh well can't wait so well that's okay well we've got two plugs out of the way now so and uh, uh anybody charmaine. else uh charmaine uh where can people find more information about uh, zila yeah we actually have um i think most notable would uh that hasn't been mentioned yet would be our uh our collection of braille books um they can be searched on if you go to www.celalibrary.ca we have um around twenty thousand braille titles um in our braille collection and that's in our seal collection we have actually another collection that um that um provides braille access to patrons who submit proof of disability it's called the bookshare collection and that can be accessed through our um, library as well and that provides over one million titles in our collection we actually have um, books specifically on louis braille and i can send um, ryan links to that that he can post in the in the show notes or whomever can post in the show notes that right. can sort of be like a starting point of where to start for people who want to actually read about um, the person who invented the the code and you know some history behind it, that kind of thing. Um, that would be a, a nice place to start. So I'll send that along. Fantastic. Perfect. Awesome. Well, everybody, I would say this was another fantastic uh, uh, World Braille Day. Realistic. Yeah, I want to thank you, all of you guys uh, for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank thanks you. for doing all the editing, Rob. It's been a bumpy ride. <laughs> oh, nice. Hey, Steve, did I ever tell you about the, the time I asked that girl out in Braille? No, no. Tell me about the time you asked that girl out in Braille. Well, she left me on felt. <laughs> They're getting worse. I know. You better end the show soon. Okay, well, listen, we better release. Oh, I'm sure Adam's got some braille jokes or Jen or Charmaine. Uh, no. Well, that you know, we'll have next next year. We'll just we'll do the whole front half of the show. We'll just do braille jokes. We'll just everyone bring their favorite braille joke. That's actually a great idea. Let's remember that. Okay. Hey, Adam, remember when you were in, in Saskatoon when it was like ridiculously freezing? Steve, you were there too. Yeah, my and pants froze to my legs. Yeah, oh, yeah. I had, love that feeling. Love that we feeling. We had that young young boy who told stand up comedy like the for for a little bit. Like, oh yeah, we need him back. We do. And was he blind? Him. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get his name. We'll get him on the show. Yeah. I mean. 
man, you see, look at this. We're already planning next year. <laughs> braille songs, braille jokes, braille limericks. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Let's, it's, it's, we need to fun it up. Okay, we'll work up. That. Thanks, everybody, for, for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next year. Thank you so much. Bye, friends. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Thanks, gang. Great to chat. Okay, thank you. Thanks, guys. See you all the next thing. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, wow. Well, there you go. I I think that's the most people we've had in the Zoom room for a while. Yeah, that was a big group. Yeah, Yeah, it's last minute. You know, I didn't know who was going to come, so I put all the feelers out there, and as the day went by they just started trickling in so yeah you totally got a rock star lineup yeah Yeah. really if you'd have known that you could have called it braille palooza (laughs) um yeah that's what happens when you you know you 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 tap a bunch of uh braille advocates to come on a podcast on will braille day who they're not going to say no (laughs) of course not well we'll have to plan it better next year though because this was cutting it pretty close yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, we'll we'll get it. We'll get it together next. It's I mean January fourth is tricky, right? It means we have to plan it before the before the, the break holidays. So, yeah, so we generally don't think of anything that far ahead of time. But yeah, no, we'll have to. We'll we'll do something. We'll do something big next year. Get some get some flash pots and a rock song and sure. Be good. Yeah, be good. B, give me an R. Give me an I. Give me an L. What's that spell? Brill. Nothing yet. I almost made a comment. Oh, I almost made a comment when uh, uh, Adam said he was being typecast. As like, no, you're not. You're being Brillecast, man. Brillecast. Oh, oh, <laughs> I should have. I'll save it for next year. That's a I good joke for next I didn't, year. I didn't get it quick enough. No, there you go. Uh, all right, let's get out of here, fellas. Uh, Sounds good. Hey, Ryan. Yeah, Rob. Uh, where can people find us? ATBanter.com. They can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at ATBanter.com. I think I should do that part because I really hate doing the part about social media because we're not oh, on yeah. it. We hate social media, all of us. Yeah, yeah oh, that's true. Okay, we'll, can switch, we'll switch it up next week. We'll switch it up next week. So just, just say whatever whatever <laughs> <laughs> there you go folks yeah you can find us on social media just guess we don't just, need to tell you what social media whatever. is you know where it is yeah yeah we're, we're, we're like you know, we're, we're like at banter somewhere i guess exactly. just go to atbanter.com it's all there it's all there whatever you know, maybe yeah, we should stop talking about easy social peasy yeah it's gonna about do it for us this week uh big thanks of course to everybody for joining us. We check in. Too many people. Too many people. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions, as well as physical access solutions and augmentative communication aids across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. Or if you're in the Vancouver Lower Mainland, visit our storefront at number 106-828 West 8th Avenue in Vancouver. That's one block off Broadway at Willow. You can reach us by phone toll-free at 1-844-795-8324 or by email at sales at canastech.com.